Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. We are a church with a mission of inspiring ordinary people to live extraordinary lives for Christ. It really doesn't matter who you are, what you have done, or how you choose to worship. You belong here. We pray that this week's sermon blesses you and that you feel God's presence through it today. Today we're in the fourth and final week of our sermon series called At the Movies. And as you guys know, what we are doing in this series is is using the power of movies to bring to light the teachings of the Bible in practical, concrete kind of ways to not only help us to understand these truths in in deeper ways, but also to catch a glimpse of what it might look like to go out and live these teachings in our own lives. So this morning, and to close this series out with a bit of help from Mr. Rogers, I want to show you that contrary to popular belief, if you are Christian, you're a minister. And I really want you to hear that. If you are Christian, you are minister. Now, as all of you know, in our world today, there there seems to be this distinction that has been made between ministers and lay people with ministers being the people that God has called to do all the work that pertains to the kingdom of God. And then you have lay people, your ordinary average people who attend church and then they help out on occasion. Or to make this practical, you have someone like me and and in my title, there is the name minister, right? I'm the guy who works at this church. And then you have someone like John Sheets. And what happens when you compare someone like John and I is most of the time when people think of John, they don't think of him as a minister, And automatically, they think of me as a minister. And the reason they think of me as the minister, I'm the one who went to school for eight years. I'm the one who's been working in the church in some form or fashion for the last 22 years. I'm the one who preaches and teaches while John doesn't do that work. Or even though John has been a huge part of this church for the last 20, 30 years, we wouldn't be the church we are without him. What John did for most of his life wouldn't have been seen as ministry by most people. Or because he spent... 15 years working for Halliburton as a truck driver and a cement plant manager. And then for the county weeds department, most people in their minds, they didn't think of that as ministry. Now, it doesn't mean it wasn't important. It doesn't mean it wasn't foundational. They just don't see that as ministry. And I would even venture that no one in this room, when they think of John, and how many of you guys know John, right? If you don't know John, he's the guy ducking down in the back here (laughs) who does our stuff for us. And I would venture to say that, that none of you, when you think of John, you think of him as a minister, including John himself. Now, a part of the reason why we think this way, or the reason why we have separated ministry or ministers and everyone else in our minds, is because early on in the development of the church, the church had to organize itself to deal with the growing numbers of Christians. Or... They had to start training and hiring people to to oversee and run local communities, local congregations, to to keep up with this rapidly growing church. Which, by the way, is not a bad thing, right? Getting organized is not a bad thing. It's what you have to do. In fact, it's part of the reason why there's 3 billion people in the church today. We got organized. That's a good thing. But where the problem comes in, in my estimation, and this is a gross oversimplification of this, is that over time, those who were running the church started to think of themselves as different or above the people who just attended or because they were the ones who were trained to do the work. They began to think that somehow they were special or above your normal everyday lay people. 
And then they started to teach that, which then in turn became a way of thinking in the church, so much so that, that for most of church history, there has been a clear distinction between ministers and everyone else. Or, or is why people don't think of John as a minister and everyone in this congregation thinks of me as a minister because I'm the one sitting up here. So now that you've got all that kind of running around in the back of your brains, this foundational piece, what I would like to point out to you is that contrary to what most people believe, and contrary to what some churches still teach today, according to the New Testament, if you are a Christian, if you have chosen to follow Jesus, then you are a minister. Or someone who's been called by God to join him in the work of bringing heaven to earth in all that you do. Or let me just give you a taste of this. And I can just give you a taste because this is all over the New Testament, but I think this brings it to light most clearly. So when you look into why Jesus called his 12 disciples, which we delved into a little bit last week, you'll find that what Jesus was doing by calling these men was gathering together these 12 men to teach and to show them everything they needed to know about the kingdom. And the reason he did that was not just so they could know that, but to send them out in the world so they could do the exact same thing, so they could do that kingdom work. Or as Mark 6, 7, and 12, and 13 explains, he called the 12 and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over unclean spirits. So they went out and they proclaimed that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. Or notice, again, Jesus didn't just call these people to give them information. He called these people to give them information so they could take that information, that, that life, that purpose, and go out and live it. Then what you'll find happening as you follow the story of the disciples out through the rest of the New Testament is not only did these disciples go out and do what Jesus did, but just like Jesus, these disciples also called other disciples. Right? And the way they did that was they began to create these communities, ecclesia, churches, where they taught their disciples the way of Jesus. But again, it's not just so they can have this information. That doesn't do the world any good. You can have everything figured out and you don't do anything with it. It doesn't do anybody any good. No, the reason they're taught this information is so they too can take that information, that purpose, that life, and go out into the world as kingdom workers as well. And so what that reveals to us about the early Jesus movement is that for the most part, there really was no hierarchy with someone being better than others, someone considered to be better. No, what you're going to find are normal, average, everyday people who have decided to follow Jesus, gathering together to learn what Jesus taught and did within a community so that they too could go out and do the work of the kingdom. Or so that they too could become ministers in their own way, their own time and place. Then what happens when you move a little bit um, beyond kind of the Gospels, the book of Acts, and you get into Paul, you'll find that according to Paul, not everyone was called to be a traveling evangelist. Not everyone was called to do ministry in the exact kind of way. No, according to Paul, to be a minister of the gospel meant that you take the gifts and talents that you have, the things that you're good at, and you use that for the sake of the kingdom. Or as Paul explains in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, and 14 through 19, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Indeed, the body doesn't consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. 
And if the ear would say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? Or note that in the body of Christ, which is just a metaphor to talk about the church, there's no hierarchy. There's no part that's any better than any other part. No, in the church, you have different people with different gifts and talent called to do different things, but all for the same purpose, but all for the same thing, the, the, the kingdom of God. Or another way to say it is everyone has a ministry. Everyone has a ministry. Everyone has something that God has called and created them to do because everyone is a minister. And again, you guys, I tell you this wonderful news and you sit there like, oh, thanks, Josh. Can we move on? I'm a little bored with that. I got it, right? Okay, so now what I hope is starting to become clear is that, again, according to the New Testament, there really isn't a distinction between ministers and everyone else. Like somehow ministers are better. Like somehow ministers are the only ones who are supposed to do this work. According to the New Testament, we're all called to be ministers, people devoted to causing God's kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, just in our own ways. Which, practically speaking, for me, what that means for me is my ministry, the way I give my life to doing kingdom work is I preach, I teach, I visit, lead this church. Well, for someone like John Sheets, his ministry started out as a truck driver and a cement plant operator where he played his part in helping to supply the cement needed to run oil wells. Oil wells that then went on to fuel the, fuel the world when you think about it, right? And then later his ministry became about working for the county weeds department where he worked hand in hand with many of the farmers in this area to help them have weed-free crops, crops that were then used to feed the world. Which, when you think about it, you take a step back and look at all of this in a big-picture kind of way. is just as much ministry as anything that I've ever done. It's just as much bringing heaven to earth as anything I will do. It's just different. It's just different. Or to really help you get this truth, let me tell you a little bit about Mr. Rogers. So how many of you grew up watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood? Anybody? How many of you don't know Mr. Rogers? <laughs> yeah, so I think everybody at least has a sense of Mr. Rogers. Now, I need to be really honest with you guys at this point. My experience of this program... Um, I did watch it from time to time, but it wasn't one of my favorites, not because I didn't think it was good and all that stuff. There was something about those puppets that gave me the heebie-jeebies, <laughs> right? King Friday, Queen Sarah, Henrietta Pussycat, they gave me the willies, which also makes sense, and I don't know if you guys know this about me either. Um, so the movies that scared me as a kid were not Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street. No, the movies that scared me the most as a kid were The Wizard of Oz, <laughs> Flying Monkeys, still can't do it. And then the other one, which is the scariest to me, is Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory because of what? Oompa Loompas. Scariest thing on the planet, in my opinion, right? Anybody else know what I'm talking about? See, I'm, I think I'm the only one who has this problem. <laughs> now, what most people don't know about Fred Rogers is that Fred was actually ordained as a minister in the Presbyterian Church. But Fred, instead of taking a church... After he graduated seminary, he continued to devote his life to creating quality children's programming. 
Or Fred's congregation was not a church where he did the work that I do as a congregational minister. No, Fred's congregation, Fred's ministry, were the millions of kids that he helped shape and taught through his children's program. And what Mr. Rogers did through this program is he intentionally helped kids learn the basics of the Christian faith. Right? The ethic was there the whole entire time. Things like love your neighbor as yourself. Have you ever wondered why it's called Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood? It has to do with loving your neighbor as yourself. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Be kind. Listen to your parents. And then the most amazing thing that Mr. Rogers did, which no children's program did or does today, is he took on the hard topics of the world at that time. Death, divorce, war civil rights, all those things going on in the 60s and 70s. He didn't deny it. He didn't walk away from it. He didn't just entertain. He took those things head on because that's what his congregation needed. Or Mr. Rogers, as an ordained evangelist in the Presbyterian Church, devoted his life to sharing the love of God, bringing heaven to earth through a children's program, which was a ministry that, when you think about it, rivaled the work of the late, great Billy Graham when it came to shaping the minds of American children. Or let me show you a quick video clip from the movie A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood that shows the influence of Fred's ministry on the world. Check this out, and I would encourage you to sing along. Do it. Hey, Mr. Rogers. It's a beautiful day. about this clip is notice that when it started out, there were two girls singing this song, which makes sense. Those are the people that he would touch. But then as it went on, there wasn't a person on that bus who didn't know that song, which means those people knew Fred's ministry, heard his teachings. In fact, Fred was someone, even though he was a celebrity, didn't act like a celebrity. He rode the subway every single day to get back and forth to um, the studio and all that stuff. And apparently this happened to him all the time, right? Isn't that amazing? So what I think the life of Fred Rogers puts into perspective for all of us, because let's be honest, most of us didn't think of Fred Rogers as a minister, never even, you know, crossed our minds, is that again, to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus means we are called to be ministers in our own ways or the kind of people that no matter what God has called or created us to do, whether that be working in a church or in the county weeds department or as a secretary, a teacher, radio personality, whatever it might be, that are all about bringing heaven to earth in our own ways. Because ultimately that's what it means to be 
a Christian. That's what it means to be a Christian. So, now all of that is in your brain, now that you're thinking through all of that. My prayer for you is you think about what you do on a daily basis differently. It's not just a job. It's not something that you're called to dread. It's your ministry. It's what God created and called you to do with your life. If you are retired, we've got plenty of things for you guys to do here in the church. (laughs) Find something. Find something because God needs you. God wants you. God created you to do work for the kingdom. And what he does is he takes all of that, all of that diversity, and he uses that to save, redeem, and restore the world. He uses that to teach others about his love. He uses that to save souls and to bring life. So again, you are called to be a minister. Let us pray. Father, it's amazing that something as simple as Mr. Rogers' neighborhood can put into perspective that you have called us to be ministers. A people who are supposed to devote our lives to to your kingdom work. A people who are called to be devoted to sharing your love, your grace, your life, your hope, your salvation with the world. So today, O Lord, my prayer for all of us is that as we go back out into the world, we think about what we do differently. We think about our lives differently. We think about our work not just being work, but a holy task that you have given us and our part to play in your body. So Lord, help us not just know, but to live every single day as ministers of your gospel message. It's in your name and for our sake that we pray. Amen. Would you please join singing, Jesus Loves Even Me. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he said to his disciples, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup of wine, he blessed it, and he said to his disciples, take, drink, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sin. And every time we take these emblems, we remember that great sacrifice. I encourage you during this time of reflection to think about how we can Minister to those around us. Minister to those in our community. 
how we can, um, you know, serve our church, serve our and how we're the ones who need to bring heaven to earth in all that we do. Let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for this day that we could gather around this table. Let us use this time to remember what the sacrifice was and why you made it for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon, and we hope you are able to join us next week. To learn more about FCC Great Bend, visit us online at firstchristianchurchgb.com. Again, that's firstchristianchurchgb.com. God bless and have a great week.